Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. Be afraid, be very afraid this Halloween day as you join us on Late Lunch. Yes, myself and Miss Louise Walsh, my producer, we've been to Pharmaphobia. And we're going to bring it to you after two o'clock today. Oh, my word. Were we scared or were we what? You don't want to miss this at two o'clock this afternoon. We'll also be joined by Father David Jones. You know him well. He's concerned about Halloween and uh, the new influences that have come to Halloween in Ireland. And he's going to talk to us about that. On the lighter side, Dr. Mohammed Khalid is with us today. He's an artist and he's developing his art even further. He's a consultant anaesthetist in Cavan Hospital and he's popping in to us for a chat this afternoon. We have our competition for the Crown Plaza as well and more besides to tell you about on the show today. If you want to get in touch, 086-1800-658. That is the text or WhatsApp number. You can call in on 1850-715-958. Now, my first guest today is a townie who grew up in Port Stewart, County Derry. Trip the light fantastic in California in her 20s before returning to Ireland where love happened on Tinder. I know you're interested now. Married very recently. She's now a farmer's wife about which she's written in her first book aptly named Falling for a Farmer. I am delighted to welcome Maura McElhone to Late Lunch. You're very welcome Maura. Thanks a million for having me Jerry. Thank you and can I say you have that glow of the honeymoon girl about you. Well, the impending honeymoon, we're actually heading off on Sunday. We haven't been away yet, so we have that to look forward to still. So you were married how long ago? Three weeks this Saturday, is it? Three weeks this Saturday, yeah. Okay, and is that down to the farming life that you haven't got away yet? Um, A combination of things, I suppose. Yeah, obviously the cattle sales were kicking off, so we wanted to factor that in. And I obviously had the book out, so I wanted to give that a bit of time and attention as well. So, But it's it's nice to have the break between the wedding and the honeymoon. Yeah, it is. And and people do that anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, it's uh, exigencies on his side and your side with this one. Where are you heading for, do you mind me asking? We are heading to Mauritius. And tell me this, having read the book, will you get him away for more than a few days on this honeymoon? Well, part of my strategy was to take him away so far away that it would be difficult for him to do a runner after a few days. So his exact (laughs) words to me whenever I said, how long should we go away for? His attitude was, ah, sure, I think 10 days would be long enough. So the furthest or the longest we've been away to date has been, I think, five days. So we're doubling that. So hoping for a new record now this time. Ah, there you go. And he might run off. What do you have an opportunity and he was nearer to home? Is that what you're saying? 
to me? Uh, well, I hope not. I wouldn't think so. Not at this stage, anyway. <laughs> not at this stage is right. Now, the book, I read it and I really enjoyed it, may I say. And I want to start by asking you about the foreword in the book that's written by Mairead Lavery, a woman who knows all about farming and being a farmer's wife herself. And she says, and I paraphrase her slightly in this, marrying into a farm, you cannot forge your own identity. Now, that strikes me as strange with all the progress that women have made in life, you know, in the last 10, 20 years especially. Is, is that the way it is? I think it's probably changed a lot. I think it still rings true in the sense of there are expectations placed on a farmer's wife. And when a woman marries into a farming family, there are probably still expectations placed in her. Those ex- expectations may come from the older generation more so than the generation of sort of myself and my husband. Um, And I'm very fortunate actually in that he has four sisters and a grown-up niece, all of whom have gone and done their own thing career-wise as well. And they've all kind of already said they won't be, not there's anything wrong with it, but they'll be very much kind of professional women and they'll be doing their own careers outside of the house. And I'll be bringing that sort of attitude into my role as the farmer's wife too. I will have my own identity. So I think... There is expectation, perhaps from the older generation, more so than the younger generation. Mm. And just think about further on in the book where Jack's wife, Jack is your husband, mm-hmm. his mother, should I say, Jack's mother, uh, is of a generation that just abandoned their lives, so to speak, mm-hmm. got into the farm, reared the children, got stuck in there, and that was it. And, and, and you do say, I think, in the book as well, that that generation is disappearing. It's a dying breed I think Mm. and the other thing is supposed to say that Jack's mother was a farmer in her own right so she was a farmer marrying a farmer so regardless she probably would have followed that path Um, but it is a dying breed sort of that idea of the woman marrying staying at home having the the dinner on the table in the middle of the day feeding all the contractors when they come in from making the silage I think that is dying out Um, which I suppose in terms of the romantic ideal and the imagery of farming is a bit sad, but at the same time, I think there's nothing wrong and there's a lot to be Mm. said for the woman who can go out and have her own career, bring in her own source of income and make that contribution to the relationship too. Now, you've married into farming and generations Mm. of farming there and your husband is the one who's taken over the family farm. His dad has been there and his family before him as well. You know, breaking in there, will will you ever truly break in? You know, I'm thinking about the big decisions on a farm that are made with land, the future of the Mm -hmm. farm, inheritance, all this type of stuff. Do you expect to be involved in that or do you just leave that to to them? I am leaving that to them. One thing I've learned is the importance of land to farming families and that's part of their identity and their heritage and their history and that's not something I would ever want to encroach upon or intrude upon or even put my own opinions on so I'm very happy to leave that to Jack and to his family. I I, I don't necessarily see it as marrying into the farm or the farming family. I married Jack, I married a person and that's kind of where it stops for me. Absolutely and what other way would it be? You met on Tinder. Now, when I think of Tinder, the word desperation runs through my head. (laughs) Were you both desperate? No. And in fact, I would say that for my generation and for a lot of people in their 30s, because we're working such long hours in terms of going out and meeting somebody, once you're past the stage of going out to nightclubs all the time or your student days when you're meeting a lot of young people, it becomes more difficult to meet people. So online dating, I think, is 
is the go-to, is the default for a lot of people. And a lot of my friends have met their partners, long-term partners that way too. So I wouldn't, no, we definitely weren't desperate. I jest. Anyway, uh, I, I know this is serious and it became very serious. And look, you've married ultimately. Um, which porterhouse did you meet in in Dublin? The Temple Bar one. Okay. Yeah. So you met that. No, you weren't. You were going to meet him, like, but you weren't that miffed about it. Is that right? I was fairly disillusioned at that stage because yeah. I had just, I'd moved back from the States to Ireland in February of that year. Then I'd moved down to Dublin shortly after and I was living with two other single girls and we were doing the Tinder thing as a bit of crack. So I'd gone on a few dates and they hadn't really turned into very much and I was fairly jaded at this point. So I went along to meet Jack and thought, uh, sure, what else would I be doing on a Thursday night Go and see what happens and was very pleasantly surprised. So I went from being completely disillusioned to immediately regretting not having worn better clothes and not having done my makeup. (laughs) So let that be a lesson to anybody who's might be uh, sort of considering going on a a Tinder date reluctantly. Yeah, but in a way he saw you all natural. He saw you as you. He did. Yeah. And there is, is it Marilyn Monroe had a quote? If you don't like me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best, ah. or something along those lines. So so that's you, Mara. Well, I wouldn't say that was me at my worst. But <laughs> Still, I, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you obviously had a spark. There was a spark. There was something there, wasn't there, straight away. Did you feel it coming the other direction to you from him? I did. And I think he would say the same. I think it was the ease of conversation that we both had and... Well, I have no problem talking, as people have probably gleaned at this stage. Um, But it was really refreshing for me to meet a guy who was very easy to talk to and who asked questions and who seemed very engaged that way as well. And we were both interested. He was interested in me as a writer and I was interested in the farming aspect of things with him because they're two worlds that neither of us knew anything about. So we had a lot of genuine curiosity there and we just spoke with a lot of ease. And I think that really kind of laid the foundations there. When did you fall from the moment precisely when you said this man is for me? I have made the mistake of saying this before and people have told me that's way too early. That's bunny boiler territory there. But I would say as early as the second date and we went for a walk in the Phoenix Park and it was a lovely night and there was no pub. There was no drinking. It was just lovely, easy company and lovely night. And just that kind of made a real impact on me there. But it comes through in the book, you know, you, you were disappointed in the past. You had a, a quite a long relationship when you lived in California as mm-hmm. well. And, and that ended and you came home. Come back to that a little bit later on. But, you know, that little element of doubt, I read it as I read the lines, is there still hanging with you? Even though you tell me at that stage, you, uh, you know, felt that this was it. Tell me the story of the lost phone and the heifer, because at that stage you thought it was all over, didn't you? I did. And that was early days. So I was still kind of very excited. And we had made plans to go on a date to Croke Park to see Kildare play Meath, actually. And that was an ill-fated encounter, but we won't dwell on that. <laughs> and uh, we'd left it that he would come and pick me up before the match. That was grand. And the match was on a Sunday. I hadn't heard from him since Friday night, I think it was. But I thought, oh, he's probably busy doing farming stuff, as he was. And he'll give me a shout on Sunday. So I didn't hear all day Saturday, all night sun- all night Saturday, Sunday morning, not a peep out of him. Then I was starting to panic. It was about an hour, I think, before throw-in. And I was sort of thinking I should have heard from him at the stage. Obviously, that's it. I've been stood up. That's the end of it. And I was sort of ready to throw myself into the depths of despair and self-wallow and pity. Um 
But uh, long story short, all the ins and outs are in the book, but he had lost his phone whilst chasing a heifer in a field and had to resort to using Facebook on his sister's phone, I think it was, or something along those lines to contact me finally. So I gave him a pass for that one. It was, if nothing else, was a very extravagant excuse. But the other thing is, come on, put it out on the table here, spill the beans. Heifer didn't mean much to you, did it? No, I mean, he could have said he was chasing anything and I would have been none the wiser. An elephant. Exactly. Except I wouldn't have bad. I was just happy to be going on the date at all at that stage. So uh, I did ask him, though, what a heifer was exactly. And he looked at me sideways as if to say, how do you not know this? But sure, we don't have many cows running around Port Stewart. Um, Certainly not. Come on. The other thing was, you know, like when a relationship moves along, the key moments are when he goes to your parents and mm-hmm. you go to his. Now, he was a bit coy about bringing it to Kildare and meeting his folks. So you took the bull by the horns, forgive the pun, and said we're heading for Port Stewart. Yeah. How did that go? Well, it was interesting. He was the one who was kind of, I would go up home maybe once a month. And one of the weekends I was heading up home and I'd sent him a few pictures of there's a beautiful beach in Port Stewart. And I would run that when I'm home and I sent him a few pictures. And he said something along the lines of, I look forward to us both running that someday together. And so he was sort of the one suggesting that he'd be willing for the trip up north. So I thought I'd just play devil's advocate and say right sure we'll go then at the end of the month and he was happy enough so um, got in the car that was grand made the journey up to Port Stewart it was only when we pulled up outside the house that I could see him sort of starting to squirm a bit in the seat as it dawned on him what he was about to do he was he was meeting the parents at this stage not only the parents my younger brother and sister and the family dog so all the important people in one fell swoop <laughs> and that dog was very important because when the dog went over and sniffed and liked Jack you were very happy about that weren't you yeah that dog would have been an excellent judge of character yes. so it was there was a lot riding in his in his reaction <laughs> to Jack the dog gave the, the paws up and that exactly. was it for our Mora anyway that went well I know and and they liked him. They did like him. Oh, they really did. Yes, yeah, yeah. they did. Yeah. You really get that warm feeling. Now, let's skip on because Kildare eventually happened. You mm-hmm. were brought to... You'd met some of his family, I know, socially in that. Yeah. But then the time came for you to go for the official get-together in Kildare. And to say the least, there was a tetchy moment. You're so honest in this book with yeah. his mum. Yeah. What did she say? She called me the wrong name. She called me his ex-girlfriend's name and a couple of times, in fact. But I later learned that she had been so, I think she has a tendency to get names wrong sometimes. And she was so worried about saying the wrong name and saying that name in particular, that that's actually what came out in her effort to not do that. So we've all done it. Like we've all been thinking, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. And it's actually yes, what then came out. I, I've done it myself, yeah. honestly. I yeah. have and I can remember it well. The poor woman, she must have been mortified. She was, I think she was fairly distraught then that <laughs> evening. Yeah. Did it bother you much? Well, I didn't know. Yes. The name didn't mean anything to me. It was only when one of the sisters explained sort of who, what that meant that I sort of copped then and I was I suppose I was a little bit put out but he reassured me that it was nothing to be nothing to be worried about Now you've had an awful lot to learn you mentioned the GAA there GAA wasn't a big part in particular of family life in Port Stewart although I know they were delighted when Derry won the All-Ireland and you mentioned that too but I look at things like you threw yourself into this farming business Mm -hmm. calving shearing stopping a gap Life and death on a farm. You've seen yeah. a, a, that side of it a lot. Nathan Carter and the wagon wheel. Is that part of being a farmer's wife? 
I don't know, but I've, I've embraced it with both arms anyway. I had no problem making that adjustment, I have to say. <laughs> but, but you have. You've gone in there, mm. warts and all, and you want to be part of everything. And, and you've been shocked by some of the things you've witnessed. That's fair to say. Definitely. Yeah. And I think part of my curiosity, I've always loved animals from a very young age. I used to want to be a vet and um, any excuse to kind of kind of get up and encounter animals and care for animals I'm I'm really genuinely into so any opportunity there was to get hands on on the farm I was more than willing to to go and lend that hand and whatever that might entail. Stopping a gap your biggest fear explain to them out there now we have a lot of farmers listening today in farming community as you can imagine in Loudmead and beyond but for the townies and there's a lot of townies listening as well what what does stopping a gap mean? It's very much like it sounds. So when you're moving cattle, say, from the yard over to one of the paddocks mm-hmm. around the farm, as we would be, and you want to prevent them from wandering down people's driveways or through gaps in the hedges, whatever it is, you have somebody standing there with their arms spread out, roaring and shouting at the cattle to keep them moving in a straight and narrow down the road. Um, so it's literally a person stopping the gap to prevent them wandering down driveways. And it can be spooky at times. There's nothing more terrifying mm. than seeing a herd of giant cattle coming trotting towards coming you. Coming at you. Yeah. You're trying to turn them back. And they nearly come to that last minute. I know the way they walk. And then one maybe turns. And, and they all move together. They go at that stage. Yep. Isn't she lovely? She's fallen for a farmer. And the book is called Falling for a Farmer. Maura McElhone is with me on Late Lunch. And we have lots more to chat about in a couple of moments. Maura McElhone, originally from Port Stewart in County Derry, is with me on Late Lunch today. Kildare is her new home. She's fallen for a farmer and we're talking about it on the show. Now, here's the thing for me in reading this book. I think the deal was sealed from his point of view. Now, I'm only making an assumption here. You can correct me if I'm right or if I'm wrong, as somebody else (laughs) says. When he called you a silage widow, did you know then that like he was thinking of you as being his wife? Well, I don't know if he was, but I was very quick off the mark and I did say to him, sure, how can I be a silage widow before I've even become a silage wife? But that backfired because it was met with radio silence. <laughs> and it was another few years in fairness before he actually stepped up and popped the question. Yeah. So, yeah, I might have been a bit too smart for my own good there. Oh, you are quick, all right. But this man isn't a man to be pushed or rushed along. No. No, he does things in his own time. Mm. Definitely, very I much so. I get that because I was in the book and I was saying, go on, will you? Go yeah. on, let's move this story on. Do the deed and ask her. Where did he eventually ask you? Where were you? We actually went back to where it all started. So it was it was not, it was was not almost a year ago, actually. It was December last year and he messaged me and asked me, would I meet him in town? It was my last day finishing up work for Christmas and he asked would I meet him in town in Dublin. And I said... Grand. I didn't think anything of it. I just sort of thought, okay, we'll go and do some last minute Christmas shopping. And so that was grand. Packed up my stuff from the office, headed off. And I said, where should I meet you? And he said, I'm in Temple Bar. And then my tummy did a wee sort of flip then. And I thought, why is he in Temple Bar? He's not really known for heavily drinking during the day. So why else would you be in Temple Bar? And I started making my way over there anyway, thinking, wondering, maybe is he? And I actually texted my brother and sister and said, I think he might be about to propose and my brother had the best comeback to that. He said, Mara, it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> so with that in mind, I started heading towards Temple Bar. And then I text, I text Jack again and said, OK, I'm on my way now. Where should I meet you? And he said, I'm outside the porterhouse. So at that point, I knew kind of what was coming. And it was just a very surreal feeling, actually. 
Oh, but he's an old romantic, isn't he? He really is, and he surprised everybody with that. Actually, nobody was expecting that level of romance and <laughs> nostalgia and all the rest of it. But so there you are, and that's just last Christmas. Last Christmas, yeah. And no delaying. The wedding has happened three weeks ago. Move it on. God, he moved fast from Christmas till now. After dillion and dallion for a few years, didn't he? Well, I think with farmers, there's a lot that goes into sort of making that marriage proposal, mm. and especially if somebody's not from a farming background, you have to really be sure that they can take on that way of life and that they can deal with the trials and tribulations and the challenges and the ups and downs. So there, I, I can understand why he might have taken his time. Mm. Um, but once he did make that decision, the two of us were on the same page. We said, you get engaged to get married and we weren't wasting any more time. So put the wheels in motion and Good man yourself. That. No time like the present. Yeah. Now, rolling back in your life to earlier times when mm-hmm. you went to California and you were there in your 20s. How many years were you there? Six years altogether. And yep. obviously you enjoyed your life there. Oh, I think you'd be hard pressed not to enjoy yeah. life in California. Although I will say being out there and working is very different from being out there and going to college or working sort of as a J1 in an Irish pub. I The last few years I was out there, I was working full time in um, magazine publishing and online events marketing, that kind of thing. And just their attitude to the work-life balance is very different from what we have on this side of the pond and it didn't suit me. So I was sort of 10 days holiday a year and things like that. It's just not a balance I wanted to have and I miss my family and when push came to shove and I weighed everything up, I knew it was time to go home and I knew I wanted to put roots down in Ireland. You said something in the book that really struck me. You said that when you came home and the times you were home, you felt like a stranger in a way. Yeah, I mean, you don't think when you're away about how everything changes, but you kind of have that expectation that when you move back home, everything will be the same. People will be the same, but they're not. They've changed and moved on as much as you have in the time that you've been away. So my brother and sister had relationships. They'd got jobs. They were living in Belfast. My best friends had got married. Some of them had children. And I was arriving back into this, having missed out essentially on a chapter of all their different lives. So it does, it takes a bit of getting used to again to find your feet and to get to grips with, with life back home. God, them 10 days holidays wouldn't do too many people listening this afternoon, would they? 10 no, days, it's, and that's it's tough all they going. get in the States. And they really, Christmas is a day and they shut down and they're away again. It never really stops over there. Yep. We are blessed, I keep saying it in this country. So the heart said, come on, Maura, let's go home. Yeah. It definitely did. And it was just, it was one of those things. I'd always wanted to spend time in America. I went out and I did it. I studied out there. I worked. I travelled all over the country. Length, breadth, California. Made great memories. Have some lifelong friends that I've made out there. But got to that, I turned 30. And I think it's a big age for any woman. You start to really take stock Mm. of what's important in life. And I knew it was time to come home. No time for lengthy holidays, although you've booked the trend, let me say, with the honeymoon, with the 10 days. Well done to you on that one. The seasons never stop turning in farming. Mm -hmm. It's a seven day week, basically, all year round. Uh, You're never sure where the next paycheck is coming from. You'll probably spend quite a bit of time. Well, we heard about silage widows, but there's other type of widows as well in farming. Mm -hmm. You've considered all this. I have. And it's it's wee things that like, obviously, we just got married there three weeks ago and he's got the wedding ring on now. But we're already thinking, did we get the right sort of wedding ring? Should we have got a wedding ring with a safety clasp on it? Because the, the health and safety side of farming, that's something that 
a lot of mm. people don't think about, but you mentioned, unfortunately, other types of widows there. Yes. There's, I mean, there's, it's a, it's Ireland's most dangerous profession. And he had an accident. I, I meant to say this as well, when yeah. you were going out, and it really spooked you, didn't it? You thought he was seriously injured, and yeah. it was serious. It was serious. Now, he walked away mm. remarkably unscathed, um, just sort of a bit of a scrape on the forehead, but it was a tractor accident and a nasty one, and both of us know how incredibly lucky he was. But there's, yeah, there's a lot to factor in that you don't have to factor in if you're not marrying a farmer. But Isn't that funny that's on your mind? You know, I, I introduced a number of things there that sums up farming and remiss of me not to mention what you... But it is mm. one of the most dangerous workplaces you can be involved in. Yeah, and it and, is. And you, 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 you've obviously thought about this also. Yeah, I have thought about it. And again, it, it, it's something as simple as the wedding ring and that should just be a lovely addition. But now it's something that we've had to sort of have a more difficult conversation about mm. how do we make sure that you stay safe when you're yes. still wearing that. Mm. So, but these are all the things you have to think about. You work yourself, of course. Mm-hmm. You write. And tell us what you do at the moment. So I work for a tech company in mm. Dublin. We build recruitment marketing software. And I do all our content creation and a lot of our customer relationship kind of communications as well. So again, more talking yeah, <laughs> and more writing. And yeah. writing. Yeah. And, and, and very good writing as well. Because you are a columnist and, and you have this first book out now at this stage. Um, let's assume you have children. Mm-hmm. in the future. Please, God. Do you think that will change? We mentioned Jack's mother and that's she is and part of a dying breed and younger women today want their identity. They want their independence. They want a family. They want yep. a farmer. They want everything. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to have it all? Will it be possible? Do you think the children, what I'm trying to get at, will children change you? Um, we would both definitely love children. And I think for both of us, that would complete the kind of picture that we have envisioned for ourselves and our future. In terms of will it change me, I think it would make me a better person. I think it would make both of us less selfish. Not that we're selfish in a bad way at the minute, Mm. but you obviously have other people Mm. to think about. But I grew up, my mother was a journalist and worked while rearing three children. And she worked, reared children, had a great career, was also a writer and she's still doing media training now. So I think women can have it all, whether they can have it all simultaneously at the same time. I don't know if that's the case, but I definitely think we're capable of doing it all, having it all. It's about finding balance and find a partner who understands what you want to do and supports those decisions and the timeline that you want to have as well. Please, God, you'll be walking that walk shortly and then you'll have to write about that when you come back to this subject again and we'll see how you feel about it. You mentioned your mum, Emer O'Callaghan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I interviewed your mother. She wrote Belfast Days. She did indeed, yeah. She was here as well. So there you are. I say hello to Emer if she's listening this afternoon. She better be. <laughs> There's always the podcast, Steamer, just in case <laughs> anything went wrong. Just I'm batting for you on this one here. But I say hello to her this afternoon and I remember her well with us here in studio. The reaction to this book, I have to say, it's heartwarming. It's a lovely read. It's insightful as well. Is that what you're getting? Is that what people are you hearing back? 
I've, I've heard a lot of, there's been a good few tears shed mm-hmm. at one particular part in the book, which I won't give anything away, but you probably know what it is. I do, and I didn't want it today. I want to leave that. Yeah, no, that's grand. So there's been a good few tears shed about that. But overall, people have said it's a feel-good book. It's a heartwarming book. And I think it's a nice book coming into Christmas because there is that, that the kind of the good news yes. aspect at the end of it as well. But I think overall, yeah, it's it's an enjoyable read and people are, are responding really favourably to it. I ain't surprised. She's brought along a copy today to give away to one of you. It's signed and all by the author, Maura McElhone. Would you like a copy? Here's the question. Text your answer now to 086-1800-658 or you can WhatsApp that number as well. Port Stewart she's from. In what Irish county is Port Stewart? If you were listening, I mentioned to her a number of times and that's the answer we're looking for to win the book today. Get cracking and we'll tell you who's got the book in a little while. It's been a real pleasure. Wish you well. I love the book. Falling for a Farmer, Maura McElhone, available on all good and every type of bookshop. Thank you for joining me. Thanks a million, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Myself and Louise Walsh have arrived at Farmophobia on Causey Farm. Louise, what have we got ourselves into here? I don't know, but I have brought the rosary beads and I have brought the cloves of garlic, so I think we'll be okay. Can I tell you, and I don't mean to be rude or anything, but I've done all the bathroom stuff just to make sure as well nothing queer happens. That's a good idea. Where where do I find them? You go and do that now for a moment there. Yes, myself and Louise are at Causey Farm and Deirdre Marta is joining us. Thank you so much for the invite over. Well, I don't know whether I'll be saying that at the end, Deirdre. You might not, all right. But just to let you know, we do have spares of any necessities if you do need them. <laughs> well, well, well. Tell us about pharmaphobia. I don't think I realised until I arrived here tonight how big this is. This is pretty big. Well, I mean, people have been coming to this part of the county for two two and a half thousand years to celebrate Halloween, so we're just jumping on the bandwagon a bit late, but we're getting there. Um, Yeah, we have up to a couple of thousand people a night here for pharmaphobia for pretty much half of October at this stage. Yeah, it's really, really grown and it's really, really special. We've gone to the stage now that it's pretty much a world-class Halloween event. We'd be known, we'd be known in America <laughs> for our Halloween <laughs> at, at last. Yeah, it's oh, good. Two and a half thousand a night. Yeah, it's, it's massive. It's amazing. Well, we're going to find out if it's amazing in a moment. Oh, in, yeah. In a general type of description, we're yes. gathered here where it sort of all begins. What does it comprise of? Okay, so we have five scare areas. There's about 30 or 40 acres of the farm, which has been completely taken over by monsters, about 200 happily um, employed young people and old people that are ready to scare you and everywhere has been themed we have five different themes we have evolution which is all about weird animals and stuff Darwin has discovered we have the field of screams which is populated by horrible hillbillies um, they're about to they will scalp you um, we have the morgue you have to get into the drawer my dear to get into the morgue the only drawers I'm getting into is the ones that I'm wearing at the minute <laughs> and then we have the facility so if you're feeling a bit unwell the facility will sort you out there it's, it's pretty cool the feel well facility and we have the house of dolls with this giant dolls house 
with uh, the real living, walking, talking, not very nice dolls in it. Jerry, you make it sound oh so spectacular. Louise is standing here, eyes wide shut. Looking for the exit already. <laughs> oh no, Louise, please, please. We have to do this. We've come too far. Okay. We've committed to it. But the last scary film I watched was Jack Frost. Oh no! From behind the couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to be behind any couch tonight, no that's for sure. No hiding here, Louise. I have to say, I'm not a big fan of scary movies myself, but this is kind of little. This is just a step different in that you're totally immersed. So, like, it's like being in the scary movie. It's much, much safer, of course. Well, Deirdre, thank you so much for setting the scene. Look at all these people here. And I must say, loads and loads of youngsters. Yes, it's a fantastic place for young people. As the night goes on, the age group gets older, but early on in the night, it's mostly the younger teenagers and... I, I always say there's so little for teenagers to go to that they're dying to come back to, you know, to impress them. It's hard to impress teenagers this year. But these gangs, they come back year after year after year after year. And now it's from all over the country. We have people coming from Kerry, Donegal, Wicklow, West, everywhere. And gangs, two buses from Sligo coming this evening, I think. Oh my it's mad. It is fantastic. Louise, are we ready? Well, I don't. Deirdre just mentioned there that they were dying to come. A little bit scared about that. Are we ready to have the be what scared out of us now? I think so. But when all's said and done, I might get the free hairdo tonight. I might go home with a few extra grey, you know, highlights. <laughs> will she? Will she? Oh, she definitely will. We have hair transplant department up in there, <laughs> there as well in the facility. It's cool. Well, Deirdre Marta, lead us on. Pharmaphobia, here we come. Yay! <laughs> hey, let's go. Okay, so Deirdre, we're here at the entrance to the facility. We are indeed. What should I expect in here? just some very nice gentle welcoming nurses and doctors and all sorts maybe a few patients that are left behind quite a long time oh my god I Louise I never want to give blood <laughs> <laughs> too late now we're here, here we we're go. committed here we go hello <laughs> look who's here sit down hello in you go sit down Welcome to the facility, or should I say the feel well facility. That's what we used to be called before we expanded. <laughs> Over you go and get your injection before you go in. Ding, ding, my dear. <laughs> Athlete's feet, it's so lovely. I like, it's like parmesan cheese, isn't it? <laughs> Do you have athlete's feet? I can smell it. Yes. Louise, I knew there was something in the office. I couldn't put my finger on it. I know now. Uh-huh. Yes, I can smell it. Did you do a poo, sir? Oh, that's so bad, Yes, I think you did a poo. I can smell it. That chicken tikka. I shouldn't have had the chicken yes. tikka this evening. Yes, very nice. Yes, you may go in now. <laughs> And remember, once you come in, you might never go out. (laughs) Yes, welcome, welcome to facility. Surgery time. I hope you washed your bits, sir.
God Almighty. Louise! Louise! Louise, come back here, quick! Don't leave me. Which way are we going? Are we going left or right? This way, is it? This way. It's dark. I can tell you, it's really dark in here. Flashing lights everywhere. You hear that noise? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's around that way? Look, go left. What's wrong with your man? He's looking very pale in the face, isn't he? He's just after seeing you. <laughs> Thanks a million. Oh, jeez. Oh, Christ almighty. Oh, my God almighty. I get that reaction all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Louise, go ahead. You're braver than me. Go on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, my heart. Oh, jeepers. Holy St. Christopher. Shut the frightened. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. There's someone having a dinner in a few weeks. Look. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God almighty. Thank God. There's a few little... That boy's looking funny at you there. Look at that poor crater on the chair. Look. Oh, keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. I think we're near the end. Oh, holy God Almighty! Look at this poor crater coming on a drip. I wasn't factoring on buying chips for her (laughs) in the valley on the way home. Oh, Christ almighty. Oh, my heart. Is that fear I smell? Smell? It's more than fear. I didn't do enough when I went to the bathroom. Oh, my God. I don't think we were down this way before. What's that? That's a nun. We're leaving. I can assure you, love, we're leaving. Oh, 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 Louise, 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 feel that pulse. Do you feel that pulse racing? Oh, oh my God, I'm grand. I'm grand, but I'll tell you one thing. That is scary. Hugely. And you're expecting it to happen and it just gets you. And it you. still just gets you, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you know they're there and then you just can't get by them and you're going, don't, don't, don't go for me, don't go for me. Oh. Apologies for all the expletives you might have heard there, but they were genuine. We they we weren't put on. Deirdre Morta, if that's a taster, if that's just a taster yeah. of what this is about, 
You get the picture, don't you? I get the picture. I do. I think the blood's after draining from my face there. Anybody, anybody ever given out about the health service again? Should come here. Come over here. Oh, no, my God, my God. On we area. go at Pharmaphobia at Causey Farm. Step on up. What are we getting into here? A morgue. Oh, my God. A morgue death drawer. A death drawer in the morgue. Louise, are you ready? No, but I'll have to. Will we do it? We'll have to. We'll do it for professional purposes. Hop up there. Move over in the bed. It's the first time I've been in bed with Louise Walsh, but it's a deathly bed we're heading into. Lie down. I hope they change the sheets. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, my God. Oh, welcome oh, to Oh, Up you scared, folks. Come on. You know, baby oh. man. Are you <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking at? You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like you. <laughs> oh, you smell yummy. <laughs> oh, oh, me. Move it. Faster. I said faster. Hurry up. These are only getting started. These are only starting. Are you scared? Oh, my God. Are you scared? Hurry up. Hello there! Whoa. You're at the board now, boy. <laughs> Louise, you're brave. You're brave, Louise. You're so brave. <laughs> oh my god, I. Jeez, I'm in the black cap. Where am I? Oh! Louise! No! Louise, they know your name. He said that I could have your arm. They have your name, Louise. Go on, Louise. Go on. Here. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Louise! Louise! <laughs> Don't leave me, Louise! <laughs> Louise, where are you? Louise! Yeah. I've never been in anything like this. I'm trying to push my way through, and it's closing in on me everywhere. Oh my god. Like Louise, are you ahead of me? All right, that's not so bad. Louise is leading the way. Okay, I see light, Jerry. Okay, I see light as well. I see light too. Let me out. Let us out here. Oh, thank God. That's grand. That's grand. That's a lot better. Oh! Why did they ever decide to come over here? Go on. That boy's chained to the wall there. Where are we? Are we all right? <laughs> oh my god. I think she's gone. I think Louise, I think they have her. Louise. <laughs> oh my god almighty! Don't do that to me! Oh, oh. oh now we're now it's getting very tight and low ceiling. Look at this. Are you okay, yeah? Oh, the name. Oh, we're all right. Here, we're going towards the light. We're okay. We're okay. Oh, no. I thought we were out. Them bones, them bones need calcium. Them bones, them bones need... Oh, yuck. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Strobe lights flashing on and off in the darkness. Oh, all right, Louise. I'll tell you one thing. 
I frightened the SH1.T out of you. It really did. <laughs> and me saying how brave she was and how great she was. Oh, in the name of. What is that? What is that? Where are you? What way are you gone? Down here. Okay. Don't leave me, Louise. Louise, don't leave me, Louise. Don't leave me. Leave me Louise. Oh, in the name of God, go away! Fresh meat. Fresh meat. Fresh meat, he's looking for fresh meat. Chutes <laughs> butchers is where you should be heading, mate. Oh, we're all right, we're all right, we're all right, we're out now. <laughs> Into the mist. Look at this, we've just come out. We're in a dense fog. It hasn't got that foggy outside, has it already since we come in? Little steps, little steps, little steps, little steps. Yeah, okay. Are we okay? Yeah. Do you know where we are? Are we out? Oh! 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 You got a good old start in there, didn't you have a fright? Oh, wow. That was the scariest ever. <laughs> and it wasn't so much the actual Googles or whatever, but... That, that thing, that like the bouncy castle that you had to go through, yeah. I thought I'd never get out yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I just felt that closing in on me. Oh, my eyes. God, it was, Deirdre. Yeah, it scary. was. But look, just as we come out here outside again, yeah. do you change this? Do you shake this up every year? Oh, yeah, we change it completely. In fact, the morgue, we've had the morgue for a good few years now, but we've completely revamped the inside of it. So it's, we're always trying to think new things. The facility and evolution are completely new this year. And of course, we have Christmas happening here in a few weeks. Yeah. So we have to pull the whole lot down <laughs> and start all again next year. Oh but it's still great. Oh my God, you know what? Coming over here this evening, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it's really exceeded my expectations. Oh, it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? Fabulous. It's amazing. Yeah. You haven't yeah. seen it all yet, lads. We're oh, going to no, I thought I was able to say goodnight. We can't. On we go, on we go at Pharmaphobia. Deirdre, where are we now? We're at the Field of Screams. We're just going into this hillbilly country. Hillbilly country? <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. Y'all going down to the maze? You ain't going to survive down there. No, my boy's going to get you. <laughs> Very little light in here, just such a little, tiny little fairy lights along the way guiding us along. It looks real eerie, Louise, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Between the moon as well and yeah, and the fog. The moon and the sky tonight. So do we follow the lights or what? Pretty much follow the lights, yeah. Your eyes will adjust. We're out in the dark in the middle of a field. <laughs> this is quite different to the last couple yes. we've been in, isn't it? Yes, We're it's out very in the open different. here, aren't we? We are. Yeah. We're out in the, in, in yeah. the wild. But Deirdre, as Louise said, look at the moon tonight in the I sky. Know. It just adds to it, doesn't it? I know. I quite think that people have been doing this kind of thing for th- literally for thousands of years, yeah. just enjoying this time of the year, being yeah. out in it and... and Freaking each other out and yeah. scaring each other. <laughs> it's terrific. It's terrific. I might be saying that in a couple of moments' time, to be honest with you. Louise, we're just out for a nice, Troll. leisurely autumn walk, aren't we? Yeah, nice stroll in the evening. Oh, that's it. Not a bother. Looking for some wildlife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, my God. Where did he come from? Jeepers, I thought that was just part of a, of a bush there or something. The next thing it walked towards me. And it's not Kate either. <laughs> Hold on a second. Did you see something there? What was that? What was that? I saw somebody moving there. What was it? Keep moving. Keep moving. Come on, move on. Move on. Don't, don't hang about. Oh, yeah. What was I saying a minute ago? Young ain't a 
about that, honey. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I said to you a minute ago, out for a leisurely walk, me. Me bum, are you joking me? Louise is showing her prowess now. Couch to 5k. I love the smell of uh, embers burning in the night. Can't you get that? Can't you get it there? It's lovely. That's human flesh. Oh, please. Please. Do you want to be in the full of health? Certainly along here. Now, there's another little little candle burning there or something. Hold on. Then I'm going to feed them to you. There's a boy here. Oh, quick, 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 move. There's a boy with an axe. There's a boy with an axe chasing us. Oh, no. I know y'all got some. Just a drop now. Just a drop of moonshine. I know y'all got some. I promise I won't tell. I'm not even sure with y'all. Oh, my God. I'm being being chased here. Moonshine. Yeah, the moon is shining in the sky. I could do with a drop of moonshine at the minute. Would we lose Deirdre? No, she's here behind us. She's coming behind us. Well, what did you make of that? thought it was amazing. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And again, you just... You know what to expect, but it gets you every time. It does. It gets you every single time. And the last, you know, the monsters are just keep coming back at you and they're (laughs) brilliant. And you want to run away from them, even though you know that they're fine, like... <laughs> oh, brilliant, Deirdre! I have to say that was just—it's epic, isn't it? Ah, oh, it's fantastic! It's They're fantastic. Great lads. They're going you have great people. You have wonderful, wonderful, energy. wonderful people. The energy, energy of the man—they really do give it everything, don't everything. they? Absolutely fantastic! They're amazing. Oh, it's wonderful! It's wonderful. We're just going to go through the graveyard now. Oh no! I thought I thought I was coming to the end of this. Okay, so we're heading for the cemetery, are we? Louise, come on! Look at the little headstones and the crosses. And the lights. What? Oh no, don't tell me. Do we have to go in here? We're heading into the crematorium. Marcus for the crematorium! He's in a chef's kitchen that way, y'all! He's cooking up a storm tonight and all y'all on his menu! <laughs> I'm not going into any of those ovens. Oven one, two, three, and four. Oh, thank God. We're out at last through the crematorium. 
Fantastic. Deirdre, I have to say, you have just a wonderful, wonderful experience Thank here. Thank you. Thanks a million. Thanks and so Louise, aren't we thrilled that we came over tonight? Oh, absolutely. It was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I'm delighted. Thanks so much. Yeah, I want to say than welcome. congratulations. Causey Farm, Pharmaphobia. It's marvellous. Will we come back for Santi? Oh, absolutely. Oh, we have no. to. Louise, we're we all just... really nice and sweet at Christmas. Oh. So we are. I thought the under sevens were more scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, brilliant. And, and Deirdre, we'd just like to say from me and Jerry, thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. You're with Late Lunch this Halloween afternoon and I'm delighted to be joined again on the show by Father David Jones. He's a hermit monk who lives in the northeast. David, you're very welcome to the show again. Good to see you. Thanks, Jerry, and yourself. May I begin by asking you about this time, Halloween. What a fantastic time it is for children. Ghosts and ghouls, spirits and witches. It's a bit of fun, but you have a slightly different take on this. Yeah, well, you see, there's more to it than meets the eye. If it were just a bit of fun, uh, but the thing is that the fun is unfortunately celebrating the dark side and that's the spooky bit because people aren't aware that actually all that's behind it is not just neutral and what do you mean by the dark side what are you getting at well what's happening basically is that we're revamping something which is pagan which is celtic the savin festal season of getting back the light you see all saints has recuperated all that in the Christian atmosphere, but unfortunately the old thing is coming back. We think that uh, the celebration of all saints on the 1st of November was in some way a way of getting back what had been for donkey's ears in the hands of the other side, when towards that time, in the Celtic period, remember, that would be the beginning of the year again, or the sort of heading for the solstice. And therefore, it was a time when the spirit world was thought to be closest to this world, when the frontier was very, very thin between this world and the next and all that goes with it. But then, you see, because of the dark side, you know the story of the Druids, um, they were very much involved with power, but they were getting it from the dark side, and that's why people were afraid of them. They had power, and involving also power over life and death because the other side delights in sacrifice and that involved human sacrifice. There was a lot of it going on at that time of year and so that's the dark side that people don't realise is being recuperated now subtly through this. You know, Halloween when I was growing up as a child was quite simple. We dressed up, we went round the doors, we sang, we got a few coppers for ourselves, we maybe lit a fire, we celebrated with food. Today you now have a massive Halloween festival that is unrecognisable from even my childhood, David, what it was, with all that's involved. Do you believe that there are sinister forces behind this whole commercialisation, this whole drive of Halloween? Indeed, because as you're saying, when I was young, it was innocent, because I remember actually in when I was living as a student uh, in the seminary, because I was doing classics, I was living in a seminary, and it was in the hands of Carmelites, and the prior for Halloween would, with the rest of them, go on his knees and try to get these apples from the bowl. Uh, it was a bit of fun. But people don't realise, actually, that that's reproducing in a 
toned-down way, the ancient, ancient Celtic thing. Do you know what they used to do with these apples? It goes right back. Apparently what it was was this. Uh, they would go around, being sent by the Druids, to uh, houses or the equivalent thereof in these ancient times, and they would give them a choice. Either they would give them what we would call a treat, or the other. So if they got what they wanted, it was actually a human being, preferably a child, preferably a slave, but if it wasn't available, they'd give one of their own away, and that would be carted off then to the place of eventual ritual sacrifice. And the only way that they could get out of it was to get out of this solution of mead, some kind of apple juice or whatever it was. It was something which is actually boiling at a very high temperature at its boiling point of 212 degrees Fahrenheit and this particular liquid if you had to put your face to it already the fumes coming from that would start to destroy your skin would uh, make you eventually deaf um, would damage your throat permanently make you blind or partially and it was pretty difficult under those conditions to get your feet your teeth or anything near these uh, apples and if you got one you might get away sort of half alive otherwise you were one of the victims. And though they were honouring their gods, as it were, it was actually a sacrifice, ultimately, without their knowing it, to Satan, because God doesn't want it. So these were being put inside this massive wicker, wicker man, and they would be uh, burnt, essentially, uh, to death. And so that was happening quite a lot, not just on this as the major feast, but it happened other times as well, about eight times a year, apparently. So this, and if they didn't give what they wanted, they would put this dark spell sign over it. It's the circle encircling a six-corner star. And that would be an invitation then to get a curse from the other side and do all kinds of harm upon that family. And therefore, that's the old origin of the trick-and-treat that we have now and these apples. Let's talk for a moment about the consecration of hosts in the tabernacle, which is central to the, the Christian belief and message as well. There are things happening there that you know about that are really not good. Tell yeah. us about those. Yeah, well, we know that they have to have every month a certain number of consecrated hosts, and they, the demon knows which they are. You can't fool him. And they have deadlines, and we know the sort of thing that goes on with them in these dark rites. They're trampled underfoot, insulted, but they're also they're desecrated in, in foul ways, like, from what I can make out, they get this naked woman and they put them in the secret parts, that kind of thing. It's completely sacrilegious, deliberately, as maximally so as possible, and therefore they're deliberately attacking the sacred. And also we know more now, because of closed-circuit television and this kind of thing, that people are going into churches, they're performing studying rites when no one is there, and they always want the host. And the, the carelessness of sacristans and even parish priests of having the key around, and people can guess where it might be, doesn't help. And also the fact that now... Holy Communion is given in the hand quite often means it's far easier to get them. So the price of consecrated hosts on the black market has gone down. It used to be more difficult to get them. Now they're easily available and they can use anyone, children or whatever, to get them. And therefore they're disappearing all the time, all the time, all the time. Worship of the devil. Is this basically what you're saying to me? That there are people out there who are in league with Satan? Mm. You see, the thing is that it's a real force and the advantage of being in league with that side is that he answers immediately. He will give you immediately what you want on condition of your giving your soul to him. So that's the pact. And the success of certain pop stars, of certain celebrities, is ascribable to this pact. And 
also, if you compare a magician with just a conjurer, you see a big difference there. A conjurer is a clever man who's learned very well his tricks. Even St. John Bosco was a good conjurer for his kids. But you look at a magician, now the word magos, it's a Greek word, magos, it's somebody who's given, basically he's got powers from the other side and he can do things which aren't able to be done by man. I mean, they can do, they are magic. So therefore, that's what's happening. Now, do you know the so-called Church of Satan by found, founded by Anton LaVey? It was founded in the... I think somewhere around uh, the other side, California, there of America, way back in as early as probably the 70s, if not earlier, the 60s. And he's died now, but it, it was something which took off, and he was openly, overtly satanic, and he was the high priest of it. And it, it, what happened is quite interesting, because at the end of his life, something happened. He was dying, and an eyewitness who was with him when he was dying, just before he shut his death, his eyes in death, said this. He started to see things, and he cried out, Oh my, there's something wrong. There's something dreadfully, dreadfully wrong. And he died. You believe then that he, he saw the light at his death? He saw the wrong light. He saw he was going. He's going to the wrong place. Yeah. So if you live this life and you pursue this worship, you are destined for eternity with the devil. It's the pact that he makes. It's his pound of flesh. You know the play, um, The Damnation of Faust? Well, you've got this famous one-liner. The devil is coming for his pound of flesh because he made this pact with the demon. And um, he's there in desperation because he's got the faith. And he's crying out, One small drop of this precious blood would be enough. Eventually, he expires and one hears cries. It's thought-provoking and frightening at the same time, to be honest with you, what you speak about. You compared the magician to the conjurer. What about something like Reiki? Now, I know you've mm. spoken about this yeah. before. Mm. Are you a fan of Reiki? Well, no, see, basically, the desire to heal by all possible energies, which is in itself a good motive is out there and people who are engaged in these alternative therapies have usually a good will. They're not aware that actually the means that they're using is not safe because there is a progression towards the initiation of a Reiki master and one of them is actually directly an opening of the channels, the chakras and all that's in them to the powers that are out there which therefore may not be all good and that's the problem because they are real powers and they work because they're real powers but they work for a while and again wanting their pound of flesh because actually the dark side can also heal to get their effect. They can also make ill and give apparent healing of what they've caused. But the energies coming in there, they're invoking spirits. But remember now, we've either got good spirits or bad spirits or sort of indifferent spirits. You've got human spirits. For, for, they are what they are. But then you've got the other side. An angel is good or fallen, but they can be invoking what they don't know. Uh, the fallen angels are demons, and they can be in there, because we priests have to pick up the pieces, and Reiki, unfortunately, is one of the worst ones. Let's talk for a moment, before we finish up, about this thing of ghosts and ghouls and spirits, and you mentioned several types of spirits there, H human spirits, you know, good spirits, evil spirits, you obviously break them down, and there, there are differences. <laughs> have you come across places that are you know, inhabited by a very evil spirit. Oh, big time. Oh, yeah, no, in fact, 
I'm tempted to put on the, the yellow pages, Jones and Company, you know, Ghostbusters, because people come to me on the phone and all kinds of things, the things are happening in this place, get and sort it out. So the only way to sort it out seriously is actually to celebrate the sacred mysteries on the spot and, and exorcise the place and clean it up. And if it's powerful, you might have to go more than once. But the older the house is, the more danger there is. I know houses with it which are really badly haunted, some of them. And you see, the, you mentioned the nature of the spirits. I know a case not far from here, actually, where the person died in a serious road accident to which he was not prepared, and he just died like that in in sin and so anyway ever since then the house that had belonged to him is completely haunted and it's quite malignant you can't live there just this spirit tears up things and it's a bit of a nuisance so that's serious malignant infestation or haunting you've got other things where you've got benign spirits who go around and kind of they, they appear now and again see what it is they, they're stuck somewhere uh, we, we hope that if they're stuck and if they're coming back for help that we can help them but if they're malign spirits that's, that's nasty what, what's going on there? And can you go into a house and help clear a spirit? Oh yeah, from a house? oh yeah, oh yeah. You see, we only a priest can do it. And that's, that's why I, I was, one day I was going past not far from here actually, and, and a garage owner came. Ah, oh, just the man he wanted. Give me all these tools. Just the man we want. We got a problem. Can you sort it out? So, even on the closed circuit television in the place, it was all coming out. Objects moving. Objects moving. Oh, apparently somebody died. So anyway, sorted out. So I went and celebrated the secret there after work there after their work when there was no one was there, and um, we cleared it up a bit. But it's it's calmed down a bit. But it's not malign. But it's it's a nuisance. The objects are still moving around. You see that there's not a rest. And do you come into contact with the spirit? You say you celebrate a mass there. Yeah. Is that all it takes? Do you, do you encounter it? When you go, they're usually kind of around, but you wouldn't actually meet them. It's just the effects you get from it. If, if it's serious, it has to happen more than once. Usually, actually, it pretty well does have an effect. That's my experience. It does calm down quite a lot after Holy Mass, yes. But to answer your question, I wouldn't have had direct contact like that. With the people involved, I would have lodged. Oh, yeah. Yes, so you are sort of the conduit between yeah, them and the yeah, spirits, yeah. and what you do then calms the situation. Yeah. There are good spirits. You, you say that a moment ago. Yeah. There are good. There are human spirits and good well, spirits. Well, you see, the, the people who are, seem to be on site, I know of one case, for instance, you can actually see it on YouTube. It's a fascinating case. This thief comes into a house with a, on his gear, and then he's, he's having a good time raiding this, wherever he is. And then suddenly you see, and you can the camera can see things as they are. You can just about see this faint outline. And then this other chap, the thief, suddenly turns around and starts to address him. And he won't go away, and he gets out his gun, and you can see this gun shooting at the spirit, and then he's frightened to death, so he, 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 he puts everything back in the cupboard, goes like, uh, like, like a, uh, a dog with his tail between his legs, and, 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 and closes the door. So it was a benign ghost. <laughs> Your message today, Father David, on Halloween Day. What do you say to listeners today? You know, there are people heading out this evening to trick and treat, to enjoy Halloween, to celebrate at home. Do you have a final cautionary message? Yeah, well, if I were a parent, I'd always be kind and helpful to children because you don't want them to get upset about things or also sometimes you don't want to pull them out of things which can be neutral. But the thing is, it would be good if you're a Christian parent, I say, to have a quiet word in their ear. Look, there's more going on here than meets the eye because actually if one compares this feast with Christmas, Christmas now has to be just a good holiday and you mustn't put Christ into it, whereas this one is explicitly now sort of evil. I mean, satanic, it's the ugly, it's the macabre. So a word from the parents to a mature child wouldn't do any harm. Just be aware that there actually is more gone here. It's being pushed by a dark source who wants to be honoured. 
Father David Jones, thank you once again for joining me on Late Lunch this afternoon. I always enjoy your company and appreciate your visit to us today. Thank you. Thanks. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Drogheda and District Chamber Business Awards, the annual Business Awards coming up next month. And just to remind you that the public vote is now open. So the public vote is open as I speak. It's for the People's Choice Award and it's decided by you, uh, the public. Whoever gets the most votes wins on the night. Details are available on drogheda.chamber.ie forward slash how to enter and there's little hyphens between that that's drawhoodchamber.ie forward slash how hyphen to hyphen enter forward slash so that's the uh, details there check it out and get voting now we've cup final fever yes we have indeed uh, on LMFM this week because Dundalk are in the FAI final FAI Cup final for the fourth year in a row against Cork City again. And to celebrate the Lily White's return to the Aviva for the final, we've partnered with Cup final sponsors, the Irish Daily Mail, Ireland's best family newspaper, and our friends at Matthews Coaches to offer you the chance to be there to roar on Dundalk. We're taking a busload of loyal listeners to the latest big match in a season full of big games. For Dundalk, stopping at the City North Hotel for full Irish breakfast. All you do is simply listen to LMFM all this week. And when you hear this, text BUS to 086 100 That's 086 100 Text the word BUS and you're in with a chance. We'll be in touch if you're selected. Now, competition time on Late Lunch. To celebrate the launch of their 2018 Christmas party packages and 29 wedding packages, 2019 wedding packages, the Crown Plaza in Dundalk are giving one of you the chance today to win a four-course dinner for two with a bottle of wine on their brilliant and lovely rooftop restaurant with fabulous views across Dundalk and all of North Loud. All you have to do is answer this question. Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Here's today's question. Beside which third-level institution is the Crown Plaza Hotel? Beside which third-level institution, the name of that institution, is the Crown Plaza Hotel? It's right there beside it. What's the answer I'm looking for? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text with your answers, please, and your name and details. Pick a winner today for the meal and all the winners this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and late lunch, go into the hat for a stay over bed and breakfast in the luxurious honeymoon suite. You'll be back to your wedding night again if you win this one with us on late lunch. And the very best luck to you on that. We'll pick a winner before the end of the show. Now, Halloween it is. And on the theme of Halloween, Jerry Seinfeld, brilliant comedian, is talking about Halloween. And we just said we'd give you a listen to this today. I'm sure it'll resonate with a lot of people. Halloween and Jerry Seinfeld. So the first time you hear the concept of Halloween... When you were a kid. Remember the first time you even heard about it? It's like, your brain can't even... What, what is this? Who's giving out candy? Someone's giving out candy? Who, who is giving out this candy? Everyone that we know is just giving out candy? I gotta be a part of this. Take me with you. I, I wanna do it. I'll do anything that they want. I can wear that. I'll wear anything I have to wear. I'll do anything I have to do. I will get the candy from these fools. 
ones that are so stupidly giving it away. So the first couple of years, I made my own costume. They, of course, sucked. Ghost, hobo, no good. So I'm begging the parents, you got to get me one of the ones from the store, the cardboard box, the cellophane top. So one year, third year, finally got it. Superman costume. Not surprisingly. Mask included in the set. Remember the rubber band on the back of that mask? That was a quality item there, wasn't it? It was good for about 10 seconds before it snapped out of that cheap little staple they put it in there with. Thinnest gray rubber in the world. You go to your first house, trick or snap, it broke, I don't believe it. Wait up, I gotta fix it, you guys. Come on. Wait up. That's a good thing. Wait up. Kids don't want other kids to wait. They must wait up. You wait up. Because when your little life is up, you're growing up, everything is up. Wait up, hold up, shut up. Mom, I'll clean up. Let me stay up. Parents, of course, just the opposite. Just calm down. <laughs> Slow down. Come down here. Sit down. Put that down. You are grounded. And keep it down in there. So I had my Superman Halloween costume. I was physically ready. I was mentally prepared. And I assume when I put this costume on, I would probably look exactly <laughs> like the Superman I had come to know on television and in the movies. Now, you remember these costumes. It's not exactly the super fit that you are hoping for. You look more like you're wearing Superman's pajamas is what you look like. It's all loose and flowing. Neckline kind of comes down to about there. <laughs> you got that flimsy little ribbon string holding it together in the back. Plus, my mother makes me wear my winter coat over the costume anyway. call Superman wearing a jacket. <laughs> so you're going out there, you know, and the mask keeps breaking. So the rubber band keeps getting shorter. I'm keeping it gets tighter and tighter on your face. You can't even see. You're trying to breathe through that. Remember that little hole that gets all sweaty in there? <laughs> and the mask starts slicing into your eyeballs. I can't see. I can't breathe. We got to get the candy. Let's keep going. About a half hour into it, you take that mask. Oh, the hell with it. <laughs> Bing bong. Yeah, it's me. Give me that candy. I'm Superman. Look at the pant legs. What the hell's the difference? The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. 
You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Halloween afternoon. Now, let me do a little bit of housekeeping uh, while we're at it. Falling for a farmer, Maura McElhone was with us, top of the show. What a lovely lady she is. I really enjoyed her conversation. We've a signed copy of our book to send out to one listener today. And that's going to Geraldine Curran. Well done to you, Geraldine. Yes, Maura is from Port Stewart in County Derry. Derry was the answer we were looking for there. Thanks to everybody who got in touch on WhatsApp and text on that one. Our competition all this week, yes, to celebrate the launch of their 2018 Christmas party packages and 2019 wedding packages. The Crown Plaza in Dundalk are giving you the chance to win a four-course dinner for two with a bottle of wine at the rooftop restaurant every afternoon this week on Late Lunch. And one of the four winners will go into the hat for a and b That's an overnight stay in their beautiful honeymoon suite. Today, the question was, beside which third-level institution is the beautiful Crown Plaza Hotel? And the answer is DKIT. And we got loads and loads of correct answers, naturally, on that one there. But going to the rooftop for the meal and the bottle of wine and possibly an overnight stay, we'll know on Friday, is Jerome O'Brien from Clotterhead. Well done to you, Jerome, with the correct answer there on that one. Lots of messages about guests, our guests we've had on the show today. Uh, uh, I won't use the first two words. Jerry, I was afraid of my life listening to your show. Had to turn it off for a while. Back on now. God, I hate Halloween. That comes in from Carol Lane and Navin. And P.S. Hope you sleep well <laughs> after it, says Carol. We will indeed, Carol. Of course. I, I know. Like, it was a little bit on the edge, for sure. Uh, also, um, Marie Richardson was on to say, that man is really scary, Jerry. She was talking about Father David, who was with us a little bit earlier on. Ella's been on to say, I think Halloween is good. It's a good way to explain to a child that monsters don't exist. It's only dress up. It's also a good way to explain what is death, says Ella. As for the priest talking about it as something bad, please remind him about the Holy Inquisition, says Ella on late lunch this afternoon. I got a postcard in the post today, didn't I, Louise? I got a postcard in the post this morning. You know me and the post and books. I love and your cards. postcards. I do. I do love them. And look at it. Look at it. Isn't it beautiful and colourful? It is. It's you know where it is. Do you know where it is? Look. It looks a bit like oh, Sicily. It is Sicily. It is indeed Sicily. Where did you go? I was in Sicily a month ago. Ah, for a beautiful holiday in Termina, in the northeast of Sicily. Highly recommended. I said it here before. But this card came in from Sicily, and I'll read it to you. It says, Hi, Jerry. I know you love to get a postcard. Yes, I do. I love your programme. Keep up the great work. Having a lovely holiday here from a Dundalk listener. Come on, the town. Best wishes. Question mark, question mark question mark I'm in the dark Louise I don't know who sent this to me is this to do with Halloween as well we don't know who it is good luck to Dundalk of course on Sunday thank you for the lovely card I wonder where you were in Sicily on holidays maybe you were in Termina or some other part of the island as well but thank you I you heard yourself and Sandra talking about it yes Sandra's advice yes well you never know but I'll tell you what a beautiful part of the world lovely to get the card and it's going up pride of place on our little board that we have upstairs where I prop these uh, cards and that as well. We keep them and treasure them and we love them. If you're we, I do love a postcard. I love a letter, any type of correspondence. You know we where we are. All. Yes, absolutely. We read them all. We uh, thank you for them and keep them coming to us. Now, up next on Late Lunch, are you all right, Louise? Are you all right yourself after pharmaphobia? I won't be sleeping tonight. Yeah, let me let in. I'll let you into a little mm-hmm. secret. Louise says, "I don't think I'll rest too well after that." Oh, it was some experience, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was great. Magic. I didn't think 
I didn't think I'd do it. So I'm delighted yeah. with myself I did it. But Me too. I am grey. Oh. And that's only my face. <laughs> Don't mind. It well, I'll tell great. you. Oh, it was. It was. It's something else. They have something really special over there. And of course, it's finished now uh, for this year. But jammed out every night it's been on. And we do actually understand why. Have you trick-or-treating this evening? We have, yes. All right, OK. We have. We have gone home everybody. to pumpkins Is everybody and cowboys and, and yeah. everything. Great. Great. Well, I think it might just stay a little bit dry, although the forecast is giving a little rain there. But do, I will say to everybody this evening, enjoy it, get into it. But do take care. Some of the bangers going off near us, I have to say, they must be highly explosive. Like, the noise of them when they go off. Like, be careful this evening. Take keep care. Keep all the dogs in. Oh, yeah. Put your dogs and your pets. Keep them inside. But for children, mind children as well. And do take care and try and get it into their heads. It's the teenagers and that and the big teenagers and the teenagers who are beyond teenage years and have never grown up. Fireworks are dangerous. They're illegal, by the way, in Ireland. Uh, interesting, Louise. Something crossed my mind. Don't want to be a killjoy. But I wonder how many fireworks are lifted or people... You know, charged with a fireworks offence if they are illegal. They used to be now, in fairness to the guard, they, they, they did confiscate mm. a lot. Well, and they used to go around markets and that, didn't they? Yes, they did at that stage. But actually, look, they're, they're, they abound at the moment. I remember the crash, before the crash, the Celtic Tiger. Sure, it was like Beirut. It really was. And, and what happened in Beirut all those years ago. It was like Beirut round here at that stage. Then the Tiger crashed. And what happened? Silence. There were no bangers. There was nothing was no money for it. They're back and they're back with a vengeance for sure. But do take care tonight if you're using anything like that. Mind yourself. And, Jerry uh, has his bag ready to break the door. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. That doorbell, I think I'll disconnect it this evening. I'll probably knock the window and knock the door anyway if they don't get an answer there. But look, enjoy the Halloween. Get into the spirit of it. But take it for what it is. A lot of people will be glad it's over tomorrow because we have several messages there for people saying we hate Halloween. And think of old people and people living alone as well who would be scared, you know, by things like that. Just have that on your mind this evening. But enjoy the Halloween, enjoy your tricking and treating and go back to the games of yesteryear that so many people enjoyed. Final break of the afternoon on Late Lunch coming up and I'm joined by a very interesting man. Dr Mohammed Khalid is consultant anaesthetist at Cavan Hospital but he has another very special string to his bow. By chance many moons ago, Dr Mohammed Khalid met this little girl in the course of his work. She was lonesome and she was in hospital and he used his artwork at that stage to help that young lady make her life that little bit better and from there began a great story throughout his life of helping others through his art. He's with me on late lunch this afternoon and I'm delighted to welcome him to the show. Dr Mohammed Khalid, consultant anaesthetist at Cavan General Hospital. You're welcome to late lunch. Thanks very much, Jerry. First of all, I would like to thank to you and your staff for inviting me for this and uh, the story you have uh, told uh, at this moment uh, or mentioned, uh, I would like to brief a little bit more because I think it was a very touching moment for me. And uh, for the first time, I realized that, uh, that there, what the loneliness looked like. Uh, and that young girl, unfortunately, she could not mingle because of her condition. And uh, she was so lonely. She was have the tears in her eyes. I could still imagine uh, and that's uh, her uh, face is uh, coming in my uh, eye in front of my eyes uh, so i re- thought about that uh, and when i put that uh, to my friends uh, that how we could help her and that uh, that the 
thought came in that I have some paintings and uh, somebody suggested why not I should just put it on sale and we'll see how we will be doing it. So I think it was around about 12 to 15 paintings and uh, and it's just before the Christmas. I think it was in the month of November when I did it and uh, most of my colleagues, they actually purchased it. So we had around about uh, 700 something pounds at that time. And with that money, we... Just before the Christmas, we bought the uh, television and we have a VCR and we bought the, some children's uh, uh, movies uh, as a video uh, and uh, we put it uh, in, in, in her room. And But we have some extra money, so we have some bought uh, some more movies and we kept it in and as a library in the children's ward in Drogheda. So that was, I'm going to say, when you were in Drogheda Hospital. And what year would that be? I, I was working as a registrar during my training, and uh, I was 1988 to December 89. And that little girl, years. she had cystic fibrosis. She had to be isolated from the other children. She was uh, because uh, she was very vulnerable to have the cross infection, and uh, she was isolated in a very small room, which was not more than 10 by 8 feet to I think it's a very small room. That's the room that it, this studio has. I'm looking at you in studio today and even all these years later, it's emotional for you. You can remember that moment and that little girl. I never forget that. And uh, since then, I started doing something good for the people, those who have been suffering. Tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Pakistan and uh, there is a big city, mega city, which is known as Karachi, is a port city. And uh, I, in my family, we are two, two brothers and one sister. And uh, I did my schooling in Karachi and then I was graduated from Dow Medical College in 1982. I did my specialization from my own country for two years in anesthesia and then my teacher who is my mentor and he guided me that I should go abroad to do my fellowship and uh, so I got the chance uh, to come to Ireland and uh, I came here in 1986. My first job was in uh, um, County Mayo, Castle Bar Hospital and since then I have been working in Ireland in different hospitals. I did my fellowship in 1992. I went back to Pakistan for a few years and then I came back. You know, when you talk about your home and your family, you actually come from a line of painters. Yes, that's true. My father, who is a professional artist, and uh, my grandfather, who was a commercial artist, and he was a textile designer as well. So I have a background of uh, artist uh, in my family. By One of my maternal uncle, who is the interior decorator in Amherst as well, and he was trained by my father as well. That was the start. You mentioned that little girl in Drogheda Hospital back then. But you've used your art on numerous occasions since to help others. That's true, Jerry, because uh, I felt that's the way that I could uh, do something good for the people of this world, those who have been suffering. So numerous occasions I put my paintings uh, for sale and raised the phone and uh, it went to the different charities and I'm very thankful to the people, those who have supported all those years for me. And I know you've helped back home in Pakistan as well because there have been several massive disasters in the country over the years and you stepped in. That's true. Uh, not just Pakistan, but uh, because it's my home country and where I've been born, so I uh, owe a lot uh, to my country. 
and to this way i do a little bit uh, contribution to people of pakistan so what do you paint in what's your speciality i'm basically landscaper and uh, i do the landscape painting and uh, when i came first time to ireland uh, i was delighted because it's very much like the northern uh, part of the pakistan and uh, so it looks so beautiful and uh, most of the artists anyway they like the nature and uh, the light the greenery and it was uh, amazing initially it was amazing so i traveled most of this country ireland and i could assure you that many of the irish haven't visited those places which i had and you paint in watercolor i do basic my basic medium is watercolor but i have used the other uh, medium as well like uh, oil painting pastel and uh, recently acrylic as well so but my watercolor is very fascinating it's very challenging and still i struggle in that as well you mentioned you travel and you know ireland is beautiful you have all the seasons here and the different colors and the landscape we have of course as well do you sit and look at an image do you frame that in your mind do you take a photograph of it or do you paint from other images initially i usually do a little sketch and if i have time and the weather permits i could spend maybe more time but a little sketches with the photograph and the advancement in the photography and the computers and all those things helps us to modify the images and all those things but whatever i think the best experience is that when you do the painting there and then and watercolor you could do it in 45 minutes or an hour and uh, but uh, you could improve it uh, once you are in your studio so you like to be in the moment as we are now and doing and seeing and living it and bringing that to the uh, canvas that you paint yeah. on lately i i i i learn a bit i attended a course uh, and is uh, one of the famous watercolorists uh, joseph zubovic and uh, according to him and i think most of the artists believe in that that we are not supposed to reproduce the image we are supposed to tell the story what was the story of that place what is was saying what the nature was saying so we try our best to put our emotions and the story on a flat paper and try to produce it in a two to three dimensional thing and that is the challenge you're a busy man with your job in cabin hospital there how often do you get to paint is this something you do every week every month from time to time what i think is usually the phases comes when you started doing it and uh, like a, we are most of the artists very moody people as well so i'm particular myself if a phase will come i might be doing the painting every day maybe for a few weeks and then there will be a lull for another few weeks nowadays i'll try my best to do something every day even for 10 15 minutes and if i will i'm waiting for the for my coffee or something i might be doing just 5 minutes some sketch just it may be taking 5 minutes to draw a car or to draw a tree and this and that or so you've been working away over the years you've used your art as we've been talking about to help so many people but there's a new phase of your artistic career about to open up yes i think now the time comes when you will be thinking that okay another few years you will be getting your retirement what you will be doing it so i'm hoping that uh, i will be using this uh, hobby as a part of my profession as well in future 
and we will see that uh, how I will do in a bit earning with that uh, pension money as well. <laughs> so hopefully, but uh, but uh, it will it will remain with me. This will be my hobby, and I don't want to be, bring it as just my sole income. But uh, there is no harm if I'll be getting a few bobs uh, from my own hobby as well. Why not? After all these years, now Artsource is happening in the RDS, and you are going to display there to the general public. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's. Uh, that's the first time that I have mentioned to you, Jerry, that I am going as a professional and we will see that because most of the time, whatever the money I have been putting it up on my painting, most of the generous people, they were buying it because they know that it is going for the cause. Now, they will know that it is going to my pocket. So it will be to some anxiety, some nervousness and some excitement as well that uh, coming into the new world. Absolutely. A new career, like a career that you've nurtured on a part-time basis up to this and did so well with. It's exciting. Of course, it's exciting. Where can people, can we see your images anywhere? Can you look at them online? Uh, I'm developing at this moment a, a, a website and it will be known as the Paracha Art Studio. Paracha is my family surname and... Uh, at one time, my father used to have a Pracha Art Studio. But my future is that it's not just the studio. I'm hoping that in a uh, in few years' time period, I will be having some Pracha Art Studio and gallery. Maybe one gallery here in Ireland somewhere and maybe one in Pakistan. Come back to your job as a consultant anaesthetist in Cavan. It's a very responsible job, may I say. I think everybody who was doing a job... Uh, it doesn't matter whatever they are doing, a mechanic or this and that. They have some responsibility. But if you will take the anesthesia, anesthesia is a field in which that, uh, as you have earlier on mentioned, that uh, the life is in our hand. But the life is in the hands of the God or the Creator, I might believe is that. But that's true because in anesthesia, if particularly it's a general anesthesia, patients have been knocked out uh, and they have been asleep, so they should not suffer what is going on. But uh, the modernization in medicine and particularly in the field of anesthesia has so advanced and is so tremendous in the last uh, 50 plus years uh, that uh, I think the risk of uh, death on the table is less as compared to be driving on the road. I could assure to many of the people here, they are scared about that, but I could assure you that the anesthesia nowadays is very, very safe. So life in the hands of the people in the theatre, but as you said, the creator is really where all our lives is That's in his belief, hands. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. I love those words. And your reassurance as well to us. So anybody heading for a procedure, you've heard uh, Dr. Khalid today with us saying, it's safe, very, very safe. Anyway, back to you and the art. So I'm doing a exhibition in uh, Cavan as well before going embarking on the RDS because uh, I feel that the, my county people, I, I owe them. So I wanted to show whatever I have done so that they have the first opportunity. And that's why I think uh, I feel about it uh, because uh, it's my second home. So tell me, where is that exhibition happening and when? It is happening in the Central Library, which is known as the Johnston Library in County Cavan, and it's in the main town. And it is uh, starting from Wednesday, 31st of October, and it will be running until the Friday at 4 o'clock uh, on 2nd of November. And uh, the main main um, or inauguration will be taking place on Thursday at quarter past five. 
to be checked out and if you don't get to that remember Art Source at the RDS yeah. coming up later in the month of November for the moment Dr Mohammed Khalid thank you so much for joining me on the show today and thanks very much for providing me this opportunity to express my feeling thank you Jerry that's a lot on late lunch this Halloween Wednesday afternoon Eddie's up next with The Drive see you tomorrow half one the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.